0: hear you just singing hymns right there we're singing a bunch of hymns tonight we're having a wonderful service tonight it'll be our it'll be our communion service tonight it's always a just a precious time when the more that the, the more you grow in the lord the older you get in the lord the more you love just the simplicity and the beauty of the communion service am i right about that and that's tonight. And, and, and then along with our communion service, we're going to sing hymns. And we're going to sing a bunch of hymns, uh, actually have the order service. And it's just full of beautiful, old-fashioned hymns. It's going to be a great service tonight in singing. And you're going, to be, you're going to make that because you have to come ready to really let it, let it go and really, really, really sing. And we're looking forward to that in our communion service. And then afterward, we're going to have pie. So we figured we just put three really amazing things right together. starts at 6 o'clock tonight. hope you can be here. With us, I want you as we begin here. We're in. Uh, we're, we have, obviously it's a series of messages in the book of Romans that we're calling "saved for sure." The mini series of the bigger ser- series is obviously the book of Romans, but the mini series is Romans three twenty one to the end of chapter five three four five. Today we're going to focus on Romans chapter four. It is an amazing chapter of the Bible. So this is the series that we're in to kind of orient you to where we are. If you have an electronic device with you, like an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, you can look it up on an Android device. I should say that so I don't get into the war between, you know, there. Um, you can look up on the Uversion app. And the sermon notes today, as a matter of fact, it might be just kind of entertaining to see if I actually say the stuff I put in the notes. The sermon notes are there, and uh, but they are lightly edited. One of our... Dear ladies, that works in the office secretary said, You really need an editor on those notes. I'm like, Well, the notes are just what they are. We just dump them in there, and you, so if you, if you, uh, if it bothers you to see things that are kind of odd, then just don't even look. Just don't look there. Anyway, that you can look that up and it might be helpful to you, and or you might even look after church go and kind of print them for yourself and if it helps you to kind of capture the idea there. But I just wanted to tell you about that before we get going today. I want you to imagine. Uh, This church in the future. Now, only the Lord, it belongs to the Lord. It's always belonged to the Lord. This building, these people, this church, it belongs to the Lord. He is the master of the church. He's the king of the church. He's the chief shepherd. He's the senior pastor of the church. He's the only senior pastor, really, there ever was. And all of uh, us that serve as shepherds are under shepherds, right? So he's in charge, he's in control. We are try to live in obedience to Him all the time. And that's one of the reasons why we teach the Bible. We, we, we choose our preaching portions the way we do. Just kind of take a book of the Bible. And then we just go through the book of the Bible a lot. Because that way, this is His Word. We're just going to go through His Word. We're going to listen to what He has to say to us. We're going to apply it to our lives. It's just a humble way to behave. And it's a way to make His church His church. And, and so when I say, I want you to imagine the church of the future... Uh, hear the evangel of the future, I don't mean that I know the future, only God knows the future and controls the future. And we know that Jesus Christ could come in the rapture this afternoon, right? And we'll be singing in heaven if that happens, those of us who know the Lord. And so whatever he wants to do, he can do. But and, and the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but church as close and do stupid things, and, and sometimes they get off their course, and sometimes God puts their lights out, blows out their candle, right? In Revelation, if they don't do what He wants them to do, God chooses to stop using a church. We want God to bless this church. We want God to be honored in this church. That's our desire in prayer all the time. Now, last night I was studying in my sleep, which happens to me a lot. I'll study all week, and, and think about things as I'm driving to calls and various things, and then and then when I go to sleep, I think about it. It's usually a really good thing. You're, you're thinking about the text, thinking about what I'm going to say to you today. I'm sure it wasn't, but it seemed like I dreamed all night about that. And here's the, the, the good part is, so I had some really great ideas while I was sleeping that I'll, I'll share with you. The bad part is, it was a really hard dream because you guys weren't paying attention. It was like there was a lot of noise, and just think people doing things, moving around, and kind of was extreme. I've never actually been to church like my dream. My nightmare was so bad. People were just not, not paying attention. They were just making all kinds of noise. I woke up and I go, oh, God, thank you. That was a dream. And I, I just want to come to you today and say, thank you for being such good listeners. Thank you for being so attentive. Thank God that we have a place once a week where where all the noise of the world just stops. And everybody just listens to the Word of God being taught. What a h- amazing holy thing what a holy hour and that I would get to open the word of god talk to you about the things of god that one you know special hour of the week when all of god's people center their hearts on one place together that's just an amazing thing and i want to thank you and i want to give praise to god and i want to give honor to everybody who's gone before me in this church that's created such a wonderful place where people quiet their hearts and we prepare ourselves by worshiping god and singing didn't you Just That choir song this morning, you know, minister to my heart so deeply. He knows our future. He knows your future. He knows your future, and only he knows your future. And you can trust him with that. That's just so wonderful. What's the future of our church going to be like? Well, I don't know. But I have dreams and plans and goals and ideas myself. And we talk with our leaders and pray with our leaders all the time. We do know that God wants his church to make disciples. We just know that. That's what the Bible says. He said, Jesus, when he ascended, go into all the world and make disciples. And so we want to make disciples. We know that. And then we're thinking, how do we make disciples? We have a plan. We have an idea about how to make disciples. Now, God can help us make disciples any old way he wants to do it. But we have a plan. It's better to have a little series of sl- slide for you. We call it simple church. It's okay if you don't call it simple church. That that particular phrase, simple in the Bible, doesn't mean Simple like light, or like we don't really care. We mean focus. We mean laser focus. Get it? Not simple like. All of us know it's hard to walk with the Lord, right? We know that. All of us know that there are hardships in church and hardships in family, and we have to endure hardships. We we understand that. When we say simple, when I say simple, I'm only saying like focus, clarify. What are we? It's like reverse engineering the church to make disciples. So rather than just being an 80-year-old institution that just does a bunch of nice stuff, a bunch of cool religious stuff, we want to be kind of a laser-focused discipleship-making machine, right? Now, we understand that God, he's the Lord, so we may say, here's how we're going to do it, God. And he may just kind of go, that's cute, Ken. That's really cute, but watch what I do. And then we're just like, okay, all right. We just back up, and he goes, whoa, and then we go, okay, I was thinking that, but yeah, God, if you want to do that, that's just great. You go ahead and, you know, you do what you want to do. You you have perfect freedom to just set my plans aside and do what you want to do, God, right? We just, every day, we say that, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, you know, as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours. But we are taking this out of the Bible, so Here's the idea of simple church. You, you should get this, and, and you say, why do you tell me this with the Romans thing? And it's, here's why. Because Romans chapter 4, we may spend a couple of weeks on it because I'm going to have a bit of a longer introduction here, but Romans chapter 4 is an is is illustration about Abraham. Paul's writing Romans, the, the letter, to the Roman Christians who have obviously been influenced by Jews. And to Jews, they revere Abraham. I'll tell you why in a minute. And so, so what he does, since they've been influenced by this Jewishness, he's making the gospel really clear to them because he wants them to be on the mission of the gospel. He wants their church to be laser-focused, and he wants them to help him go to other places and build laser-focused churches that are focused on discipleship. You see what I'm saying? So here's how we're trying to laser-focus our church on making disciples. Even though it's 80 years old, every once in a while we have to kind of back up and go, hey, are we still doing what we're supposed to be doing here? So here's our idea, okay? This come, grow, serve is something the pastors have been taught. About here for years, that's kind of simplify, and that not only is it simplified, but it's also very um, um, intentional. That's what I'm looking for. And long before I ever came to this church, the pastors always sat around and talked about evangelism needs to be intentional. We're doing something on purpose that God told us to do. So they said, "Come, grow, serve." We like to say it like this: Come to Christ, and the, and the main thing, the main. The, the main um, idea there in, in terms of our discipleship process is we believe that the New Testament teaches that what it means to be the church is that the word means ecclesia is a called out assembly. It means you assemble. So when we come together, we come together as church. So you're not church unless you come together. So what we're doing right now, Sunday morning, is the day we set aside because it's a memorial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Sunday. And we set this aside as much of us as who can and we don't have our ox in the ditch. And we do it every single Sunday. Did you hear me? every Sunday. Not every Sunday I just don't want to sleep in or watch football or something, but every Sunday, because Jesus is the king of my life, and on the first day of the week, I give him the first hour of the first day of the week, and I come, and I come as I come to Christ in corporate worship. And we sing, as the Bible says that we sing, and we sing songs that are rich in biblical truth. And we sing songs that won't make grandma go away. Amen? Because we love grandma. Amen? Do we have to work hard at this? Because, like my mother, right? I I like to think, I want my mother, if my mother who loves Jesus, and she's older, don't tell her I said that. If she was sitting in this service this morning, she'd have been singing her heart out. She'd have been singing, not just because she had a couple grandkids that were participating. and And I want the kind of a church that my kids would never want to leave. That the, that the singing and the worship is just so accessing, so accessing their heart and their soul that they would never want to leave. And I know you're devoted to that too. Imagine a church where mom wouldn't leave and the kids wouldn't leave. And together in corporate worship, you know, we don't have contemporary worship and traditional worship and, you know, we have just everybody together, the whole family and we're all singing together and it's coming out of the Bible and we're, you know, sometimes I like, that song was a little weird. Okay, the kids must have liked that one. I don't get that song, but I love them. And then other times the kids are going, dude, where in the world did they find that old piece of work there, that old, and we're like, you know, listen to it. Listen to the words of that song. That's a powerful song. We're gonna do that tonight. And it's kind of like last Sunday night, you know, we had Luke here and he, all his songs are brand new. He wrote them and he's a kid. He's a young guy. And now tonight we're gonna sing songs hundred, hundred 100 years old, 50 years old, 75 years old, 100, sometimes even older than that. And then we're always gonna have pie. This church will always have pie pie. I'm just, as long as I'm here, we will have pie. No, I'm just kidding about that. Okay. So we come to Christ, we do corporate worship. That's just uh, what it means to be church. And then then what we want to do there is once somebody has been involved in corporate worship, we want to challenge them to get involved in a group where they grow. Now this could be, we actually have grow groups in our church. It could be a official grow group, or it could be a spontaneous discipleship group that just springs up around somebody who's obeying the Lord. Uh, Gary, one of our uh, Sunday school ABF leaders, he had a Bible study he'd been leading in his high school. He actually inherited the Bible study. How many years? Started in the '60s, am I right? How many years old is it? 61. That amazing. Three. I was three years old when this Bible study started, and it's still been going continuously. And I think you were saved as a result of Chuck Unselt's ministry in that Bible study, and now you have the Bible study. Okay, is that amazing? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about just people saying, I think I'm going to do something to serve the Lord here. And they start a a Bible study or a little group or an ABF class or... Whatever else, use your imagination. Now, we have grow groups, and we're going to be coaching the leaders, and we've started them, and a number of them are going on. And we're coaching the leaders to lead the grow group so that the people get a deeper experience. So if you want to be a disciple, you, you, become, you get saved and baptized, and you get involved with the church, and then you come on Sunday morning all the time. That's what disciples do. And then from there, you get involved in a smaller group where you've got people that you know, right? Nobody really grows until they're a little bit of a smaller group where you know somebody. And, and you're kind of like doing the one-anothers of the Scripture. You're talking a little bit about, about what your life is like, and they're praying for you. And in that group, these are the kinds of things that happen. Every grow group, the, the official grow groups, all of them are prayer meetings. So all the official grow groups have prayer, meaningful personal prayer. All the official grow groups gather around a truth of the Bible, not just to analyze it, but to obey it. It's like and the, some of them are sermon based. So you would hear me talk and then you go and you meet in your group and you would talk about that a little bit more. And you would say, what does God want me to do about this? That way we don't have just like learners, but doer people that are just saying, okay, God, whatever. I'm just going to do something for you that was based in the teaching that I had. And then the other thing is that we've noticed that from this, from this level, you go, to, you go to church to you're in a smaller group where you're growing deeper in holiness of life. And then, you, then to a place where you serve somewhere in love. You actually get to work for God. You serve. And this is why the Bible talks about church membership, but it doesn't talk about church membership like we think about membership a lot. A lot of times we think about membership like a member of a club. Like if, you're a, you're a, like if you paid your dues, and then you have preferred tea times. Or you have just a special, like we were used to in the officers' club. My dad was an officer in the army. And so there was the officers' club. It was only for officers, little army brat kids. And we would go and we would get to swim there that other of uh, the, the, the low enlisted people didn't get to do. So you could kind of watch them on the way in, you know. And you, because you were a member of the club and they weren't, you had your little special armband and they would salute your car. You know, it's just wonderful for your ego. Now, a lot of people think that's what church is. Hey, I gave a little bit of money, and I should have some privileges. It's like the buffet. You go down, and you should get the kind of food you want. My goodness. But the Bible doesn't ever talk about that. The Bible used the term church membership. You know what it's talking about? Like a member of your body. That's a completely different thing. So like an arm or an eye or an ear or a nose, you're a member, you have a function. So the emphasis in the New Testament of church membership isn't on privileges, it's on functions, get it? So when you become a member of the body of Christ then you want to serve. You want to do so. You have a function in the body. If you want to work right, you want your life to be happy and joyful and you want to spiritually flourish and you want things to be the way God intended for them to be and you want to have a sense of joy and purpose and fulfillment and you want to have kind of an eternal focus on your life, you have to get involved somewhere in serving the Lord. Now you might think, oh no, don't tell me that, Pastor. You know, I've heard of those terrible things they make you do at church. You know, They're going to put me in the basement. They're going to lock me in. They're going to never let me out of the basement of the church. Please don't do that to me. I'm not saying that's never happened, because it kind of does, you know. But, but I will tell you this. What, ideally, what should happen is everybody should kind of find a place. One of the most beautiful, I, I get in trouble talking about any one particular thing. But one of the most beautiful expressions of this was in the Guiding Hands Pregnancy Refuge a while ago. And I saw this kind of happen because the the ladies will come in that are going to have a baby, and they, they need things, and people minister to them, and they listen to them, and they give them the gospel. Everybody that works there is trained to give the gospel and have a gospel conversation. Is that cool? So they come in, they get a gospel conversation, but then they listen to them, and they find out what kinds of things they need, not just things for the baby, but just things about how can I be a better mom, how can I be a better dad, and, you know, we all need that, right? But then what happened was that men were coming, and they were like waiting on the parking lot, and the women were coming, and the guys were just kind of cooling it in the parking lot. They didn't really have anything to do, and some of the men of our church spontaneously saw this, and they came in, and they created a ministry just to the men. And the one night that I will always remember as a pastor was in the fall of the year, and I was in my study, and I was working just a little bit late, and I walked out, and I distinctly noticed the smell of barbecue. I've got a nose for barbecue. I was just like, what is that? And I went out there and I looked and there was a barbecue. And it wasn't like they were just like threw some hot dogs in a pan. This was a barbecue the guys had put together for those men that were coming with their wives to the guiding hands pregnancy refuge. And it was a serious no-holds-barred barbecue. Like a rack of ribs slathered in barbecue sauce. i got to stop or you're not going to want to listen to me. Your stomach is going to be growling louder than I speak. And corn that was boiling there and all the stuff. And my heart was just, I wanted to cry when I saw that, because I thought, this is the church of Jesus Christ at work. There was love going on there. And those guys were being loved. They were being treated kindly. And, there were, and, you know, and, and it was spontaneous. And, and I can't, that's just one story. You know that over the life of this church, there are hundreds and hundreds of stories. And i got to think, when those guys went home that night, after they had that barbecue, there had to be a happy feeling in their soul. There just had to be, right? Those ladies that come every Monday night, they work on Tuesday morning. Then they got enhanced productivity. They got to go home a little bit, going, "Okay, I think I did some good today. I think I did some good. I listened to somebody. I loved somebody. I helped somebody. I spent time with somebody. I gave a gift to somebody. I think I did some good." God wants all of us to have that privilege. God wants all of us to know that we made a difference. God wants all of us to know that we really mattered in this world for eternity. And what's that called? That's called serving. And where should you serve? Connected with the most powerful organization in the entire world, the church of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do you do to serve? So being a disciple means you come to Christ, you grow in holiness, you serve in love. Is it awesome? And, and we kind of have a pattern that you can follow if you want to. Go to big church, jump into a small group somewhere, and then find a team where you serve. It might be the choir. It might be the guiding hands, pregnancy refuge. When, when Mrs. Juvenville was talking this morning, I, I just had a smile just well up in my soul. When well, I was just thinking about the thing about VBS that's really cool is it's, it's hard, intense, and short. So if you say, okay, I'll help with VBS, then you get in it, and you, get, and you do it, and then you get off of it, and then it stops. It's only like takes about six months of your life. <laughs> Just kidding. It takes a, a week or so, depending on how much you're involved. It may take a week or so of your life. It's a way to kind of test the waters, get it? And I think that's what you should do. Some of you men, you should help us with greeting. And some of you ladies should help us with greeting. We always have a place in, with the twos and threes and with the nursery, where the little ones are forming their faith, you know, and they're being loved. There's always a place to serve if you're qualified. Not everybody's qualified. Not everybody should be back there, Right. But there might be a place for you. I always notice there are chairs that are empty in the choir, and that always bugs me. And what we could do is we could say, let's put the chairs away and only put out so many chairs. But that's not we do that. Stephen and I haven't talked about this. Like, the empty chair is for you. Now, do we want them to kind of qualify? We don't want tone deaf people up there. Am I right? Like, you don't care. Yeah. If you're tone deaf, just you go up there and smile and sing, you know, know, mouth words and and look really happy and joyful. But I I look for a church in the future that the balcony's full and maybe the building fills twice and the choir loft is full and the choir goes on and the orchestra goes on and the praise team goes on and the singing is just awesome and people are gathering other people and they're going, come to big church, get involved in the grow group and in the Grow Group leader is coached to help you get involved in Operation Evangel. And you know what Operation Evangel is. The idea of Operation Evangel is our evangelistic strategy. How do we go out and get people and tell them about Jesus? Pray, love, invite, and gospel conversation. This is super important to Romans chapter 4. That's why I'm getting into this in a kind of a heavy way. First of all, you, if you're a member of the church... We're challenging you to have other people that don't follow Jesus yet that you care about and pray for. And I should be able to walk up to you, and I won't do this, and say, hey, can I see your list? And you should be able to say, "That's yes, right here, and show me these are the people that I pray. And it not even written down, just totally just like in your heart. These are the people that I am praying for. Now, the people that we're praying for, then I should be able to say to you, or somebody should be able to say, so what did you do to love them? And then you should, like, that's where you should share your favorite carrot cake recipe, or that's where you golf for Jesus instead of just for yourself. Or, you know, whatever it is, or you go shopping, you go garage sailing with another gal that loves to go garage sailing, and maybe you share with her sailing, that's the only kind of sailing we do around here. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you take whatever you do, and you love somebody with that. Now, is there anybody here can't do that? Is there a child here? Hope and I were out for breakfast the other morning. And we were talking a little bit about her future because it was her birthday breakfast. And so kind of helped coach her about her future. And one of the things that she said was when she was with her mom and her aunt down in Kentucky a couple weeks ago, they visited in the rest of them some elderly family members that have gone on really hard times. And these were ladies. And one lady was a brilliant, she was a banker and a leader, and everybody looked up there. And she's struggling with dementia. And they went and visited her. Not really a lot of fun. She didn't really recognize it. It was just a hard call. Those are the kind of calls you just walk away from, like, with pain, you know. And Hope was telling me at breakfast, she said, I kind of like doing that. I go, did you really? She said, yeah, I kind of like doing that. I said, well, that's neat. Not everybody likes doing that, you know. Um, there are folk here who have, and, and that could be something, if you like, you, there's a tremendous need for just to go visit and listen to people. And that's all you got to do is just listen to them and, be, and, and have them tell you their story. Amazing stories that people will tell if you listen carefully enough. I got a card Pastor Hearns gave me this week of one of the sisters in our church that has a testimony that when you hear it, you won't believe it. It's a powerful testimony. You know, the kind of testimony, not, not a kind of a lighthearted testimony, like, you know, but a deep testimony of a deep brokenness and an amazing work that God did. And we're going to bring this testimony to you. We're not going to tell you right now, but we're going to bring this testimony to you in a way that will be a blessing and help to you, and I believe it will help probably hundreds of other people who've been through a similar circumstance, that she's gone and she's gotten special training in order to help share that testimony because that's a burden of her heart. Now, what what about 600 members of Evangel, which name means Good News Baptist Church, Evangel Baptist Church, who said, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to love the way you made me to love and invite. And when, and when you allow me to have gospel conversation. Now, some people are going to be super gifted at gospel conversation. They're going to be like the gospel gun, right? They're just going to be amazing. And a lot of times we're going to take people to them and go, do your thing, you know. But you know how it is. A, a conversation that comes out of your heart and your soul is so much even more powerful than some gospel gun, Right? Like somebody that just, their hands are trembling, they're going, you know, like, it was, remember the story of Ed Kimball that goes to the young kid named Dwight? And the young kid named Dwight was in his Sunday school class at Ed Kimball's, remember the story? And he's studying on Saturday, and he thinks God tells him, go talk to Dwight at the shoe store. And he goes to him, and not knowing that he was hungry for love, puts his hand on his shoulder, and then trembling with his voice and crying. He can't even really say anything. He doesn't remember what he said. But D.L. Moody's life was changed. He probably was saved as a result of Ed Kimball, the Sunday school teacher, who wasn't really very good at talking, but he followed the Lord. And with a trembling voice, he said to him, God, he put his hand on him because Moody, he didn't know God knew that Moody was hungry for affection and for love because he's an orphan boy. And, 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 and forecast a blessing on him and God used D.L. Moody all over this world. You know, probably you know I got to go to Moody Bible Institute the place where I studied for ministry formally, was founded by this shoe salesman who was won to Christ by this Sunday school teacher who just happened to listen to the voice of the Lord and go to him. So you you get what I'm saying? Where do you see yourself in this? Who do you know nobody else knows? Where do you live nobody else lives around you? Do you know the names of your neighbors, and are you praying for them? Are you befriending them in order to love them, in order to perhaps invite them or just be good to them? Have you done loving things for them in the name of Christ? See, this is the discipleship process. Don't you think this is kind of a cool plan? I do. I, f- I appreciate both of you who agree. I, mean, I think it's an awesome plan. You, you could never discourage me about this plan. I will, I will strap myself to the mast, plug my ears, and I will do this plan as long as I am your pastor. It's going to be this exact plan or something with the words changed that does the exact same thing. And what is this? It's praying that I, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't say, you need to pray. And, it, right? and it's loving. And I wouldn't be a faithful pastor, teacher of the Bible, if I didn't say, let's go find people to love in Christ's name. And then every pastor you have ever had has said, invite lost people to church. Every pastor evangelist has ever had, am I right? Am I right? Has said, invite lost people to church. I wouldn't give you a wooden nickel for a pastor that didn't want you to invite lost people to church. Why? Why? Because there are people out there that are waiting to be invited because God's already at work in their life. And when you show them that you love them and that you care about them and they come, they're going to find something here you can't find anywhere. And their lives are going to be transformed like your life was transformed. And their family transformed. And marriages are going to be strengthened or united. Or people are going to be helped through the pain that they have. When their marriage breaks up or their kids go through trouble or they have financial trouble, they need the Lord. And when the life comes to the end and they have to face God, they're going to be ready to face God. They're going to be right with God because you love, prayed for them, and you loved them, and you invited them, and you got skilled in gospel conversation. Does this make sense to you? And so this is what we're doing. The deacons right now are reading together. And I appreciate Mike Vintra, the chairman of our deacons, the leading our deacons in reading a book called Simple Church that's about this idea. And they're all kind of weighing in and we're kind of course correcting it. And we're kind of working on it. But we're talking about it whenever we meet every week, every month, so that we, so our church can be focused Uh, And if you want to read that book, you can, but the most important book is this book, the Bible. That's what we're really about, and that is to see people come to Christ. Now, this ought to be, now you say, well, wait a minute, what about me? What about my needs? That's your greatest need right there. You need to be involved in the mission of Jesus, and that's what Paul is saying. That's why Paul is writing Romans to Romans, because they're going to, they're getting influenced by a kind of a Jewish legalism, and that's going to kill their missional efforts, And he says, that's not going to happen here. We're going to preach justification by faith. And I'm going to use Abraham as an example. Now, who is this Abraham? Well, Abraham pops up in the book of Genesis. How many of you know that's the first book of the Bible, right? So in the book of Genesis, I'm going to give you a little outline of the book of Genesis. Primeval history, chapters 1 through 11. Primeval means kind of first things. The, 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 The first things of history are recorded in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. And I'll give you a little short outline of Genesis chapter 1 through 11 so you always have this. If you guys listen and you pay attention to this slide right here and get this in your mind, the book of Genesis will always make sense to you for the rest of your life. you got creation and the fall and the flood and then the Tower of Babel and the formation of nations. And that's what really is covered in Genesis 1 through 11, primeval history, creation and the fall, and the flood and the nations. That's that's what's there. But then what happens is that God decides he's gonna build, he's gonna make a nation of people. And he's gonna use this nation of people to reach the rest of the nations of the world. This is a very big part of the great meta-narrative, the big story of the Bible. And that starts in Genesis chapter 12 with a man whose name is Abraham. And from Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 50, and there are 50 chapters in Genesis, one through eleven is primeval history, creation, fall, flood, nations. And 12 through 50 is patriarchal history. Patriarchs are these great leaders that God used. Their names are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And if you read Genesis chapter 12 through 50, you see that Genesis 12 through 50 is just... Uh, it says 15, but that's not correct. It should say 50. And it's just stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And when Paul is talking to the Romans... He brings up Abraham. Now, let's take a look at the text here for a moment. We won't get far into it today, but I hope that what I said today is something that will never leave your heart. We're going to come back to that over and over again, and here's why. For, okay, first of all, I said it to you today, and some of you are kind of going, okay, I think I get that whole simple church, whatever. I'm not sure what that means. You'll have misgivings about it. You'll have misunderstandings about it. You'll, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Not, that's okay. That's okay. That's how it works. What happens is we'll talk about it some more, and you'll talk about it amongst each other, and you'll ask, you'll talk to deacons about it, you'll say, explain that to me, and to pastors, and explain that to me, you'll get it a little bit more. And and here's the next level that I I hope that all the 600 members can get to. That slide that I just gave, you can explain it to somebody else. Whether or not you even agree, you can say, here's what they're saying. Come, grow, serve. Come to Christ, grow in holiness, serve in love. Come to Christ's big church. Growing Holiness is little church. It's a small group. And then serving love means I jump on a team that's on the mission of Jesus doing something like making barbecue for guys or God enhanced pregnancy refuge or whatever else it comes up to. It might be just I'm embedded in the operation evangel and whatever else I'm doing. Like when softball's coming up and some guys, am I right? You know, softball's coming up. And some of you are just sitting there going, ah, you can't wait for the softball to start. Am I right? Gideon, where are you? Gideon, if you skip church today. Gideon, are you this way? I follow your Instagram, man. I know you're this way. you like, Gideon can't wait for softball to start. Like, if you know Gideon, you know that the man is waiting for softball. But the apple never falls far from the tree. He's pumped about that. Why? Because he loves sports. He's pretty good at it. And these guys are getting old. If they're hitting the ball out. It's like, we're probably going to win again. But here's the thing. What's happening out there is guys are having fun playing ball. And that's absolutely true. What else is happening is Christ is being represented out there. And people are being invited. And there are people in our church that came to this church. They didn't have an interest in the Lord. They had an interest in softball and the girls in the church. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, talk to Jim Drowski and ask him what he thinks about that. Just ask him. Just walk up to him and say, Jim, do you think that there are young men that come to church and they're only interested in girls and softball? Just ask him. And then watch his eyes start darting around, like, guiltily. Like, uh, yeah, I guess that's probably true, Right? Because, you know, that's how he came here. And he got really, really saved. And it's a great family that's still serving the Lord. You see what I'm saying? So you look at a softball and you go, Mission of Jesus softball. That's why I don't cuss when I get thrown out at third. Or if I do cuss, I go immediately to the ump and go, Okay, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm a Christian. I, I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. Right? Right? Am I right? Come on, work with me. And ever all around the church. So, what's going on here? Paul writes to the Romans, and he says, I'm going to be going to Spain, so when I get to Rome, I don't want you guys fussing about the gospel, man. You guys got to got that figured out by the time I get there, because I'm going to take an offering, and you're going to send me to Spain, because we've got to start more Jesus groups, because that's what it's about. And that's how our family members come to know the Lord, and that's how the world gets changed. The world thinks they need all kinds of other stuff, and they kind of do on this level, but what they really need is the gospel. What the world needs is the gospel. That's what they need. Just think about it like this. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how hard or bad or awful or terrible your life is, if you die and go to heaven to be with God forever, what a difference is that going to make? What a, what a tremendous thing. I mean, you can suffer anything if you know that you're going to be with God in heaven for eternity, that heaven and earth are going to come together, and the perfect earth that has no more sin curse in it. D- do you understand? So here's what I'm saying. You, you might be going, well, i got other plans. You know, i got this plan or that plan. This is what I want to do. But what Paul saying in the Romans is don't get divided. Stay united in the gospel. Now look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. He brings up Abraham, and he says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father... Is, is found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Paul is calling the Old Testament like not Scriptures, but the Scripture, like a unified, he believes in the inspiration of Scripture. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What's Paul saying? Paul saying in uh, Romans Four there in verse 3, that Abraham was not justified by works. That's what he's saying. It's very clear. And what does he use for an example or for the proof? He uses a quotation from Genesis chapter 15, where it specifically says in Genesis chapter 15, this is a quotation from Genesis 15, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Last week we gave stories. Remember that we said imagine that. Remember the three different places that we told you to imagine. Imagine you're in you're before the judge in a court system, and remember that we talked about the, the meaning of the word justification is like you're you you got off even though you were guilty of uh, you deserve to die and go to hell. You deserve to be uh, punished by death. You got off because Jesus paid. Your price by dying for you, and the Bible word for that is justified. Remember that? And we said, so that was the court. And then we talked about the market where people are being bought and sold and you're being bought and sold. And Jesus comes in and he purchases your redemption. He pays the ransom with his blood. Remember that? That was the picture there. And then was the other picture. Do you remember what it was? You're in a pagan temple and there's the angry small G God. You can't make them happy. They don't communicate with you. They're never happy with you. And and, and so they're angry. They're in an arbitrary way. But, But Paul says, no, God has justifiable anger. And wrath, but he sent his own son to bear the wrath. That's propitiation. We have a new one here today. You're in a bank. Are you with your accountant? Are you with the money person? And you're looking at your accounts, and you are way, way short. You are infinitely short of what you need to have. You have bad on your account. You're, you're negative. You're way, way, way negative in your account. And what this word is, this is a counting word, means that God through Christ, when Jesus died for your sin, and when you believed unto salvation, he put the riches of his goodness into your account, imputed or counted them, accounted them on your account. So you are like way negative with God, and now you have the righteousness of Christ. Imputed is the word counted. And that word is used 11 times in Romans chapter 4. And so I hope what I've said today has kind of stirred your heart a little bit about the future of our church. And I hope that what I've said today has helped you see where you could be specifically in the future of the church. You know, not just coming once a week and kind of, you know, being in the meeting, but seeing yourself as a part of a team that's making disciples, that's a part of something eternal that's going to be thrilling throughout the rest of your life and throughout eternity. And I hope that you're starting to get an idea of the importance of that you believe the gospel— that you're thrilled with the gospel, and that you're skilled to give the gospel. Now, I went golfing yesterday, and everybody that I went golfing with said to me this, you're going to use this as an illustration. And I said, of course I am going to use this as an illustration. And is because I don't want to disappoint anybody. Let me help you understand this whole thing about skill just a little bit. And then I'll be done today. We're going to get into Romans chapter 4 in a deep way next week. Zach Musal, they was put on our team. So we're playing best ball, which means somebody has to be good at golf, or you're going to get embarrassed really bad. My feeling was I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be in the group that's the bottom feeders. They're going to put my name on the board. The path was in the loser group, the absolute worst group they could find. You know, I just knew that was going to happen. And so we're just kind of looking around. Dale and I were there. Dale's an athletic guy, but he's not really a big, experienced golfer. I'm not a big, experienced golfer. A couple other guys. We're kind of looking around like, this is not going to be good. And then with a big S on his chest, Zach Musalem steps up. Super golfer, Zach. He actually can golf, you know. They put him on our team. We're like, yes. So you know how the best ball is. You use the best ball. So we're like, thank you that we got a good golfer. Jonathan Swift was there. The stuff was out. Joe Jurowski. Joe. Joe's real athletic, but he's a little frightening on the golf course. He could hurt you bad. So just let's <laughs> But Zach was, Zach was a good golfer. Okay, now. So I come walking this morning. I'm like, that was fun. You know, that was fun. I said to Steve Massengill, I had a great time. Yeah, I said, it was good we had Zach. We saw him. He goes, you know what? We used to all be able to beat Zach. That's what he said. Okay, I'm just like taking a bit of poetic license. He says, we used to all beat him. He wasn't that good. We would go out to Somerset and we would all beat him. And then he went and got lessons. He did. And I think Zach negotiated these lessons. I don't think he even paid for them. I think what he did was he said, I'll teach you math if you teach me golf. Am I right about this? And he's a really good golfer. And so we went out yesterday, we used his ball over and over again. We were all in awe of him. We're like, whoa, he's the golfer guy. In our group, he was the man. He was the man, right? Because he got skilled in that. And then Steve says this morning, he says, used to be everybody could beat him. Now, nobody can beat him. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not just kidding around here. I'm serious. How desperately, how deeply, how important is it to you to get skilled in gospel conversation? You understand justification by faith? Why did Paul just lean on this and say it over and over again? Why are we talking about it week after week after week? Here's why. It is the heart of the heart of things. We want to be so skilled. The devil can't just like like he can't own us all the time in that, but we want to be skilled in gospel conversation. We want to be studied and we want to understand the whole teamwork method here about how we're going to impact our world for God. I was involved in an organization for a while, in, in a kind of a movement and an organization, and it, was, it gave all kinds of ideas about how to have a good family, about how to be a good dad, uh, about how to treat your wife well, about how to handle your finances, all kinds of things like that. And it was a, it was a helpful thing in, in a way, and, and I was really devoted to it. You know, I paid a lot of attention to all of that, and I took all kinds of notes, and I did a lot of things, and a lot of good things happened as a result of that. But over the years, I began to realize that the one thing we really didn't talk about that much, we, we, we kind of assumed it, but we, and we believed it, but we didn't really talk about it so much, was justification by faith, really dialing in on the gospel and making the gospel the main thing. And it beca- I began, when I began to realize that when you have a system or a secret or a secret sauce, or a secret organization, or a series of little things that you do, or that people don't ever know, and you kind of like spend your time on that, instead of making the one thing the Bible talks about really, really clear to emphasizing that, it's very dangerous, you don't think about it, but it is really very dangerous, and I began to realize, when I began to see that, I said, man, I want to be a pastor of a church that really emphasizes the gospel, that explains the gospel, that understands the gospel, that believes the gospel, is thrilled with the gospel to a sanctifying effect, and is skilled with the gospel to be able to share it with other people. That teenagers in our church could clearly make the gospel known. Justification by faith, through, by, by grace, through faith clear that the men and the women in our church would have the nomenclature they would have the vocabulary they would ha- they would understand it they would have the illustrations they would have the stories they would have the means they would be confident in that i you know i don't know if i could ever be good at golf probably not probably not not that good but there's one thing i i don't want to and that'd be cool to be but there's one thing i want to be good at i want to be good at showing people how to be right with god And I want to pastor a church full of people that are good at showing people how to be right with God. And I want the empty seats in here full. Not for my ego. No, for God's glory. The empty seats in this building ought to be full. They just ought to be. And how are we going to go about that? We're going to go about it this way. We're going to love God. We're going to believe His Word. We're going to make Him known. We're going to pray for people. And we're going to love them, And we're going to invite. And we're going to have gospel conversation and then God will do what only he can do, right? He'll do what only he can do. And in the middle of that, let's just say that there are still empty seats here and there, okay? Like maybe that's the way it wasn't when you got saved, the church that you went to, and you got your life totally transformed. Were, it, wasn't abs- it wasn't full. Can you get your heart completely changed and transformed and right with God in a church that isn't full? Absolutely. You see what I mean? You have your life totally transformed. So you say, as a pastor, you hear me going, hey, let's go out and gather other people to fill this place for God. I believe that's right. I didn't build this building. I know I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have led this church to build the building that's here in this place. I couldn't have done it. I don't have the skill set. I know that. God used other people. He used you and other pastors to do that. But then, here's what I believe. I believe it's our job now to fill it for the glory of God. Maybe we should fill it with people. Maybe we should have an Arabic-speaking church. Maybe we should have a, 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 an Arabic pastor. Maybe, maybe we should have a Hispanic pastor. Wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, including me. You don't want to get rid of me. You, you, got, you really need me here. Yeah, right. I, I like to be here if the Lord lets me, you know. But wouldn't it be awesome to do that? Wouldn't it be amazing if that? What, what if we have an Albanian church that actually meets here or with us? I mean, there's a lot of things that we could do. If we just say, hey, we're going to serve you God." So anyway, here I'm going on and on. And what what you want to do is sing and go home and get a nap so you can come back and sing some more. So let's stand together, and uh, Stephen's going to come and lead us in a closing song.